The temps are warmer, you've mowed the lawn, and maybe even turned on the AC a time or two. It's definitely spring. So SpI.com is having their spring sale. Log on now and get local deals up to 50% off before they're gone. SpI.com. This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. A.M. Springfield, uh, eight minutes past the hour. Uh, we say good morning to Doris Turner and to Bill Houlihan. And I'm going to ask, I apologize, Doris, but we were talking about something off air, and I want to understand, um, I was told yesterday by somebody, uh, and we did know Don Gray told me the early voting is huge compared to four years ago. It's up 58%. Not as many people walking in to vote live and in person, if you will, but mail-in, drop boxes, and so on. Then I was told by somebody who seemed to know that um, as of the moment, 56% of the early ballots have been cast by people who have voted Democrat in the primary. Bill Houlihan, how is that information available? There are no, nobody's looking at ballots, but how is that information available? Give me a little insight. <clears throat> so, Sam, the, um, the county clerk each evening after they close the office has to send to each political party in the State Board of Elections the list of everybody that has applied for a ballot or turned a ballot in. And we get that data. And the, the Democrat Party uh, has what's called Vote Builder, and it has every registered voter in Illinois in there. Wow. And we're able to check who's voted with their party history. So okay. if they voted in a primary or they didn't, we can tell you what they've done. So if people haven't voted in a primary, obviously, then there's going to be no record for either, either party. Correct. Do, do both parties do this, by the way? I do not know that. Okay. I know we've, we've done it for about 10 years in Sangamon County, and uh, we think it's a real good indicator uh, to us, first, who's voting and what we have to do regarding turnout to move different people into different areas prior to Election Day. Doris Turner, how important is voter turnout to you and your success in this senatorial campaign? It's extremely important. Voter turnout is is voter turnout is extremely important. Um, you know, we do a lot of work in order to have voter contact. But until we move a voter to actually um, cast that ballot, it doesn't really matter. How are you holding up? I'm good. I love campaigning, Sam. You do, don't you? I do. No, you really do. I re- you, I you really liked it as do. county board. You liked it as city council. Yes, I can just, tell. I'm not just saying that because I'm here talking. How many to hours a day are you out and about? From morning to night. Makes no difference. Makes no difference. I. I How do you determine where you're going to go and what you're going to do and so on? You know, it... We go wherever the wherever there are voters. I mean, we our campaign is is very broad and wide. We do we do door knocking, we do events, we do meet and greets. We're everywhere, and we have left no stone stone unturned throughout this entire district. When I was sworn into the Senate um, twenty months ago, mm-hmm. uh, I made a point of immersing myself throughout this entire entire district, and I've continued to do that and continued to also. Work really hard in um, in Springfield and the the communities that know me that that I have represented. What are people telling you when you go to meetings or when you knock on doors? Is there an issue or two they are concerned about? You know, um, it's really interesting because a lot of times uh, when I go to a door, people will ask me about um, you know a mailer or something that they've received. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to talk to them talk to them about that. And that is really gives me an opportunity to talk one on one about, um, you know, the lies and distortions that have been swirling around throughout this entire campaign. 
I went to a door uh, a bit ago and someone told me, asked me about the safety act and said that they had got a mailer that I had supported the safety act. So then I had to spend time explaining that the safety act was passed uh, November of 2020. Mm-hmm. The governor signed it January 2021. I was sworn in September the 6th, 2021. I mean, I'm sorry, February the 6th, 2021. So I had no impact at all on that safety act. So, you know, that's that's the good thing about being out and about and uh, having that voter contact is that you get to dispel a lot of the things that are floating through the airwaves. You've seen the safety act. You're probably very familiar with it. You still support it? What do you mean still? So see, there we go. The, well, saying kind of but, thing. But, but, when but, you no, say no, but, but at one time it. you probably have you ever said you support the safety act I've never, the way it looks now? I've never had a conversation about the safety act in the public. So when when you on the airways say things like, "Do you still support it?" You're still feeding into the the lies and distortions that my opponent is talking about. Well, I don't think I, I am, but that's okay. Well. Okay, but okay, it's but what not I, about me or but you, what I, but or about I, me. But what I will tell you about the Safety Act yeah. is that over the course of, of um, the summer, okay. there have been a number of, um, of working groups that have been talking about the Safety Act, talking about uh, what may or may not happen with uh, changes that would become about in the Safety Act. And I'm sure that there will be some changes okay. that will come in the uh, veto session. What that's going to be, I can't say because we haven't seen any legislation. But, um, you know, when we do see legislation, I'm more than happy to take a look at it and see where we go from here. But I'm sure that there will be some changes. If it's offered, there are certain people urging it be repealed. What's your feeling on that? You know, again, I I don't want to talk hypotheticals because we don't know what we don't know what that legislation is going to look like. I know that um, there have been several forums um, regarding the Safety Act. I um, attended one and mm-hmm. listened to, you know, what people had to say. So, you know, we take all of that into all of that into consideration because I think all of us, no matter what side of the aisle you are on, I think all of us want an equitable um, justice system that's fair and um, serves everyone equally. And uh, and I think that we'll get there. But, uh, you know, we need to see what what that legislation is going to look like. Doris Turner, do any of the in your opinion, do any of the national issues permeate and impact a race for state Senate, Uh, whether it be well, abortion certainly might, uh, but whether it be inflation, uh, prices of fuel, um, whatever the case might be, do they have an effect? Do people really when they're talking to you? Is that topic of a conversation? It really is. We, it is I, okay. I have heard, I have heard from a lot of people that have talking about the whole issue of choice and what happened when um, Roe was overturned. Mm-hmm. That is an issue that is a lot of people in this district are very, very, very concerned about, uh, and that cuts across party lines, cuts, cuts across race, cuts across uh, gender. A lot of people are concerned, are very concerned about that. Um, you know, we do. Uh, people do talk about um, inflation and those kinds of things, and then I talk about the things that we in Illinois have done to address that. So, you know, um, uh, I was one of the main sponsors and uh, supporters of a package of bills that really dealt with uh, inflation in Illinois. In, uh, Illinois. We, um, you know, cut grocery taxes, 
gas taxes, property taxes. So, you know, the things that people are talking about in this race that they want to do, I've already done. So, you know, we're we're doing everything that we can to address those issues. Uh, the last time you were here, it was the beginning of the commercials that were uh, pointedly asking questions and making assertions, and, and everybody's seen the commercials by now, on both sides, by the way. Mm-hmm. But you said you weren't going to react. You had decided to stay above the fray. Mm-hmm. Has that changed a little bit? No, not, not at all, you know, because I, I really think that um, people know me. Um, they know what I've done in this community, and that doesn't go away. You know, people can do the lies and distortions. Um, they can, uh, you know, take a, 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 out of the playbook of the extremists that are doing these kinds of things in a lot of races in, in the state of Illinois as well as throughout this country. But, you know, we continue to talk about what we, what we have done and what we're going to do, and, and I have not let mailers and commercials speak for me. I've been out speaking and talking to talking to the public. And, you know, when when you talk about the Safety Act, so, you know, I'll talk about things that I've done to make our communities more safe. I uh, I introduced legislation to have to fund a new state police cadet class. That legislation did not go forward, but there was money in the budget for two new cadet uh, state police classes. That makes our communities more safe. Um, You know, I've put. $3 $3 million to Springfield, a $1 million to Decatur, and uh, for uh, programs that are crime reduction and violence prevention. That makes our communities more safe. I sent a $1 million to Sangamon County for a county youth employment uh, program that is in uh, partnership with the Chamber as well as Growth Alliance. That puts people to work. That makes our communities more safe, um, you know, pre-apprenticeship programs that puts people to work in good-paying union jobs. That makes our community more safe. So, you know, let's talk about those things that we've already done. Is there a big difference between what people in Decatur, Macon County are looking for, and Springfield, Sangamon County? Are you hearing the same concerns? Yeah, same kind of thing. Um, And I've done a lot of work, a lot of work in Macon County, working with a lot of stakeholders there um, and a lot of things to move that community forward too. As a matter of fact, I've really been talking with a business community in Decatur about an I-72 economic development corridor. And we're really, you know, interested in looking at doing that. Um, Endorsements. How important are they to a campaign and how important are they to you, the candidate? You know, I think endorsements, I think endorsements are important because it shows that people know what you're doing, they appreciate what you're doing, and they want to see that continue. You know, I have a long list of endorsements that, you know, kind of cut across. I, I was endorsed by the State um, Farm Bureau. I was endorsed by ABATE. I was endorsed by uh, IEA, IFT, Retired Teachers, um, Healthcare Council of Illinois, Stanford Children, I mean, you know, it goes, I can go on and on. I have a long list of, of endorsements, and those are people that know me, know my work, and um, appreciate the good job that I've done, not only in my 20 months in the state Senate, but, you know, prior to that on the Springfield City Council and and on the um, Sangamon County Board. 
I have a I have a lifetime of work. There was a day when people really paid attention to newspaper endorsements. I don't think that's the case anymore. I think it's, but let me go to the Tribune endorsement. They have, they endorsed your opponent. Did they talk to you personally about your stance on the issues and so on? Did they ask questions or did they just base their endorsement on research? I'm really not sure. I, I have not. You don't ever remember talking to anybody from the Tribune? No, wow. I don't, I have no idea. I will tell you though that in all the other endorsements that I ticked off to you, and there are many more. Mm-hmm. Sure, I understand. Those, those are endorsements that we either sat down and had a face-to-face conversation or had a phone interview or there was a questionnaire that was completed. Um, the question of ethics. Mm-hmm. Obviously, every time, not every time, that's exaggeration, I apologize, but we read something else now involving a member of the General Assembly or so on and so forth. Um, and people say, okay, they passed legislation, it's meaningless, doesn't do anything. How do we restore people's faith in saying that this whole thing is not, there's a segment that really believes this whole thing is tainted and corrupt and so on. Can you or can anyone pass meaningful ethics legislation that's going to get the results that you probably want as well as the voters? You know, we just passed a package of ethics legislation, and I think that it was very powerful and, and very meaningful. Um, I think that what we have to do is continue to have hard conversations with the public about uh, about government and what government does and the impact that government has on everybody's life. Because, you know, even – and that's not new. I mean, you know, from the time I I've, I've started doing this many years ago, you would go door to door and people would say, I'm not interested in voting because it doesn't matter. <clears throat> it doesn't matter who's who – you know, who we elect. Everybody's the same. And I tell people that nothing could be farther from the truth. Representation does matter. It matters who's sitting in those seats. And you definitely want to have people sitting in those seats that um, are like-minded with you, that will, um, you know, carry forth and vote on the issues that you, that you think are, are important. Because, you know, from the time you're born until the time you die, government is controlling what happens in your life. And so you definitely want to have people sitting in those seats that understand that and want to work with you to move our communities forward. Uh, You have raised a lot of money. Uh, Your opponents raise money. I don't think it can compare to the amount you have raised. People then ask the next question. If someone gives money to a campaign, large sums of money, what do they want in return? How do you handle that question and assure people that just because somebody donates to my campaign and, and not just you all elected, but you only speak for yourself. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that to say, Hey, it's not going to create undue influence. That has never been the case. With, that has never been the case with me. Um, you know, unfortunately campaigns are expensive and you have to raise money in order to do the things that you need to do to have a successful campaign. But I will tell you, that if you go back and look at my uh, campaign disclosures, I have a significant, significant number of campaign contributions that are in the $100 and lower. And those are people that believe in me, believe in what I'm doing, and believe in uh, in my vision for, th- for this district. And when someone comes up to me and writes me a check for $25, and when someone comes up to me and writes me a check for $50, that's, you know, that's, that really means, that really means a lot. 
because that is not easy for, for them. That's someone that is making a sacrifice in order to support my campaign. And I will tell you that when um, when these nasty, divisive uh, commercials started playing, that's when those contributions really started because people were coming up and saying, I know you, and it's horrible what they're saying about you, and I want to help you. Sorry, it can't be more. And that really meant that really means a lot. It, so that that twenty five fifty dollars means more to me than someone giving me a thousand dollars. But when your opponent was on, and we specifically asked her, does she and her campaign stand behind every statement that was issued in those commercials or on the printouts that appeared in the paper? She said unequivocally, yes. Of course she did. Okay, so she how- also said that she stood by me is in her uh, flyers saying that I uh, voted for the Safety Act, which we know I didn't. We know that. So obviously that's a lie. And you know when people people do can can say things, take things out of context, and throw it out there. I saw something um, a new a new um, ad that that she has out now that's straight out of the Dan Prof playbook. It takes one line. Out of a document, I think it was like a 2007 document, takes one line out and then puts it up and and creates it to appear that it's a newspaper headline, which is not. So, you know, she can say whatever she wants to say, but I know for a fact that I never made government government workers come and clean my house. That's obviously a lie. Uh, I know that when she is, you know, making these allegations about things that happened while I was at the Illinois Department of Public Health. I know that that I worked very hard in that investigation, supported that investigation, worked with the FBI during that investigation, uh, testified at trial, and people that were making those improprieties were either, uh, you know, they were found guilty, they were, uh, you know, sent to jail, and uh, in some cases, made to pay restitution. So, you know, she can say whatever she wants, but I stand by the fact that I'm saying that they're lies and distortions. And, and you know, the other thing, let me just put this out sure. here in the airways as well. Um, you know, I have worked long and hard <clears throat> with, uh, everybody knows I'm a fierce partisan. I was chairman of the Sangamon County Democratic Party. Absolutely. However, I have worked very hard on um, both sides of the aisle while I was on the county board, while I was on the city council. And in each of those instances, excuse me, Mm -hmm. oftentimes I was in a body that was overwhelmingly Republican. But I worked very well with Republicans and and did a lot to move not only the districts that I represented, but this community forward. So, you know, there's, you know, Republicans in this community know me, and they knows that they know that those are lies and distortions as well. So you know, the thing that people have to realize is that on November the eighth, after this election is over, we all got to start working together in this community and for this community. So you know, this it's um, you know this is not just a a one shot deal. There's there's life after campaigns, and. Um, and that's one of the things that throughout every campaign I've ever run, and I've been in a lot of them, you know, 10 years on the county board, <clears throat> excuse me, nine and a half years on the city council. I've been in a lot of campaigns. I've worked with a lot of candidates. 
And that's one thing that I've always held near and dear to me and I've always told candidates that I've supported. You know, you got to remember, there's life after a campaign. Bill Houlihan, um, I'll wrap up this visit with you. A couple questions. Have you ever seen a society or a political structure so divisive as we are now? I mean, it really, I know what Dora said. We have to, I've heard this now for 8, 10, 12, 14, 16 years, and it doesn't get any better. It gets worse. What's fanning the flames? I wish I knew. Um, I think I know. Um, I think it was the beginning of uh, Donald Trump coming on the scene, and I think the playbook was thrown out that anything could be said. You didn't have to tell the truth anymore. And I just think candidates in both parties, just not one, both parties, seem to have a sense from time to time that they don't have to tell the truth. Um, But I'm sitting next to a candidate that I know her heart. I know what she's done for 20 years in this community. I knew her before she was an elected official when she was a public servant for the state of Illinois. And um, she she's the real deal. And this divisiveness, if we, Doris and myself and Republicans, don't come together to try to figure it out, we're just going to, we're going to end up, it's going to end up destroying this democracy. I am convinced of that because there are so many people out there that, it's winner take all. You can say or do anything, and that's not good. It's our responsibility as the leaders of the two political parties, I believe, to lower the temperature, to say let's try to figure out what we can do to get this thing back to having a dialogue where we do debate, where we do meet and talk, where that you know we don't have to always do something where it's got to be a gotcha moment. Uh, are you... Um... First of all, and I've said this publicly, I'll say it again. I may not necessarily agree with the political party you're part of, but I so admire what you have done for the Democrats. You have legitimate candidates running for countywide offices, for county board offices, obviously for congressional offices and so on. But at least in Sangamon County, you've made a concerted effort. And I remember when you told me you were going to places like Williamsville on a Saturday morning they're not necessarily known as bastions for Democrats, and you were having town halls. Are you pleased with the quality of candidates you folks have been able to put together at the local level? We've got some outstanding candidates. The only thing I wish we would have had is a few more. Um, you know, But we have got a lot of folks that have stepped up that are given voters all across Sangamon County a choice. You know, Look at Dan Pittman, you know, a veteran, served in the Marine Corps, used his GI Bill, became an IBW man went back to school, and now is is a manager for the state of Illinois, running for treasurer. Um, I mean, he's got all the credentials. Uh, you know, Janelle Basket for regional superintendent, the same thing. You know, these folks have been out there working, talking to folks, and then when you get into the county board, it's the same kind of thing. Those are shoe leather campaigns, Sam, as you know. They're door-to-door. you got to talk to people. There's a little bit of mail involved. And we've got some really good young attractive candidates that we hope are going to get elected that will be on the county board that will make the county board really more of a place where they actually get the debate issues and get some things done. Doris Turner, I will ask you in 45 seconds to a minute to wrap up this visit. Thank you, as always, for coming in. Uh, And please tell people what you want to hear from Doris Turner on probably this final visit here before the campaign and why they should vote for you 
Next you're not going to let me come back again before Tuesday, Sam. <laughs> Darn. Hello? <laughs> I guess my voice isn't carrying. I've never heard that. Hey, we did solve one. One You had a lifelong question about Sam Madoni. I did. So and we solved it today. We solved it today. I came in here. I had on my, in, you know, I had on my hat. I wanted to know answers. I got an answer to why Sam calls himself the great white Sammy. First, please note, he's the only one that calls himself that. <laughs> <laughs> Let the record show no one else has ever called me the great white Sammy. So th- Number so th- two, as I told you, it was Sam Malone on an uh, uh, episode of Cheers referred to him as the great white Sammy. Well, he is I had, I had and my I'm still here. I had my investigative reporter hat on, <laughs> so I'm glad I got that. So this is what I will leave with you, please, Sam. Please. Seven days, all gas, no brakes. We're gonna bring it home, baby. Go Lions. All day, every day. <laughs> Good to see you. Thanks, you Bill Lillahan. Thanks, Doris. We'll Thanks, take a Sam, break. Don't you? You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.